Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and Friends. This week's friend is Maddie Whitler. We recorded this via Skype last week, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Maddie. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Maddie Whitler, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I have kind of a terrible banjo brain where I don't remember the names of tunes. Will you remind me what that tune is? That is uh, Poplar Bluff. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am mostly aware of you as as a bluegrass mandolinist of, uh, of Delo May. And, but how, how long have you been playing old time music? Not, not that I'm trying to set up a strict dichotomy. Sure. No, some, um, for some people it is. It's hard to say. I, I would say that I've been around old time music for a long time going to festivals and my time in Boston there was always a lot of old time music around. And so there were often situations where I would spend most of the night playing in a bluegrass jam, but then I would also spend some of the night playing some old time tunes and trying to pick up on that. And I think just over time, I really started to listen to the few mandolin players that there are um, 
who set an example for how to kind of use the mandolin in old time. And um, I, I would love to I would love to hear more about that. What did you who did you hear and what did you learn? Like, how, how does one well, play mandolin I mean, in, in terms of like setting? currently out there old time players, it's kind of like Caleb Clotter and yeah. maybe Mike Compton. But hmm. um, there's not, you know, maybe David Long. There's a few. There's a few people, but um, yeah, this gets into a whole. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember being in a class with Bruce Molsky, and he was pointing out that there are a few instances of mandolin on kind of traditional recordings. I wish I could remember the names of the bands. There's some well-known bands, but there's a, he was, it was really cool to hear examples of mandolin on those traditional recordings. And a lot of the time, uh, all, in fact, all the time in those situations, it's just a rhythm instrument and it's playing these kind of cool syncopated rhythms. Um, so that's really neat. But to me, I I just really love Caleb's whole approach to what old time is and, so I don't know, I guess that's that's what I mean. But I just kind of picked up playing old time because I also had a lot of friends who played old time and, um, you know, and I'm not gonna like go to the old time jam and try to turn it into a bluegrass jam or something. Sure. So I've just learned <laughs> a lot of tunes over the years. Um, and in the past year, I've been working a lot on Clawhammer and it's kind of the first time I've really uh, focused on old time. And, any focused way what inspired you to what inspired you to pick up Clawhammer? um i was just at my parents house for a while and i get tired of the mandolin just like playing the mandolin all the time and there was a banjo but no finger picks because i've done a scrub style banjo in the past also but um so and I picked it up and it was out of tune, but it was kind of close to like a low C tuning. So I just kind of put it there and started and worked out. Um, Farewell to Tryon was the first tune I worked out and played yeah. for like a week. Um, but it, yeah, it's always, I love playing other instruments and kind of exploring that. And it's, it's really nice to feel like you're making progress and, um, you know, I was learning all these tunes that I already know um, from knowing them on the mandolin, so I don't have to go and listen to a recording. I know how the tune goes, and so I could just sit there and work it out on banjo, um, so or guitar, or whatever it is. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of progress and bring those other instruments up. When you're transmitting old-time tunes from mandolin to claw hammer banjo. I would imagine I would imagine that your your feeling with like the way it feels to play a, a tune on mandolin is is a feeling of like total melodic agency because like you can pl- you can play in any position you know and you can play any note and you have this very powerful instrument of the flat pick and I'm curious what what was it like to go from mandolin to clawhammer banjo is it a pleasing experience to not be able to do everything or is it frustrating how does that feel well um 
John Hartford once said, one of my favorite quotes is style is based on limitation. So, um, you know, any new instrument is a new set of things that it does well and, and limitations. And so it's fun to explore what those are. I think you'll find later when I play some Clawhammer, um, I play really noty versions of tunes, I think, for a Clawhammer player uh-huh. because I haven't spent as much time learning Clawhammer versions of tunes. I'm just learning the versions I know. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, things that I do that I think maybe most Clawhammer players might not, maybe they would, I don't know, but, um, it's It's hard to say what most Clawhammer players, sure. People have opinions. (laughs) Sure. But I feel like I have to learn the notey version of the tune and then take out notes and play a simpler version. Once I have learned that very notey version. Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of getting used to it of the weird, it's just a shapes thing, you know, where you move the shapes are up weird. the neck and, um, <laughs> you know, as long as I like, don't look at the neck, I do all right. <laughs> um, I just have to be kind of willing it to happen. I would love to hear another tune. And after that, I want to ask you like how you got into playing mandolin and music in general. Uh, it, originally <laughs> uh but yeah before we do that what what do you want to play next um well i'm looking at the list of tunes that i have and i realize that it's half ed haley tunes so maybe that's a thing great um, so first one poplar bluff and this one is a tune called dunbar and in the key of c and i think i first heard it from some other folks when I was at Berkeley. Um, and I specifically remember Dominic Leslie playing a really cool break on it on the mandolin. And I think where I then got it after that and where they all originally got it was the John Hartford recording. Um, and that's such a, his approach to old time is such a real cool and kind of offbeat approach in the same way that his approach to bluegrass is cool and offbeat and unique. And in this recording in particular, he's got Bob Carlin just kind of nailing the downbeats with the low C, just kind of like one, two, three, four. And and Mm. this is really off kilter, awesome sound that I just really love. And so this is like a super, all the Ed Haley tunes, I feel like I like them because they're really angular. They have these really large, jumps and and big yeah big gestures so anyway here's dunbar
Yeah, Ed Haley. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I love it. And I think he's on my radar because of John Hartford. And John Hartford was a huge Ed Haley fan. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, when when did you start playing the mandolin? I, I got a mandolin when I was 12. I started on fiddle when I was nine. Hmm. Um, and I started simultaneously. Specifically, specifically fiddling? Yeah. So I had an aunt who was at the time married to my dad's brother and they are no longer married. So that's why she was my aunt. She didn't die. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so my aunt, uh, her name is Eileen Walter and uh, she's won the Oregon state fiddle championship several times and plays Texas style fiddle. And so it was just on my radar in my family as something that one could do. So, hmm. um, are you, I'm so, I'm sorry. Are you from Oregon? Nope. I'm from Los Angeles. Okay. So <laughs> your aunt just happened to be, cause people come up for the Oregon. Yeah. Contest, no, my, okay, so my gotcha. uncle, my, they lived in Oregon. And so. Gotcha. Yep. That's it. Um, okay. My, my apologies. No worries. But I mean, but it is interesting because a lot of early musical experiences happened in Oregon. And I was listening to uh, Tatiana's episode and her first fiddle contest was the Benton County Fair. And that was also my first fiddle contest ever. Oh, wow. Um, because I was visiting my aunt and she took me to Corvallis for the county fair. I feel like... Tatiana was probably there and we just weren't aware, but I was in the novice category. So anyway, she was the first person to like put playing an instrument on my radar. And so, um, fourth grade, you could join school orchestra. So I started on violin in orchestra, but also started taking lessons for fiddle music. Um, and it was kind of just like all over the place. I really didn't understand. I absolutely did not understand like differences in style or even what like Texas style mm-hmm. was. I didn't do well in the contests, um, but I had some really interesting teachers. I took lessons from Tom Sapper for a while and that was just like way over my head. Just like, it was like, cool, it was fun. And I would play those old time tunes in the Texas style contest and do very poorly. Um, uh-huh. I have no idea why, <laughs> um, but so yeah, I did that for a while, but it was just kind of a thing I did as a kid, like an extracurricular activity. Um, and I remember at some point in there, I got a mandolin probably when I was about 11 or 12, um, because it was tuned the same and I would go and play the same, just like my fiddle tunes on the mandolin with really awful technique. Um, and just, I, I didn't really think about it. Um, and then there was a phase between then and when I got serious about the mandolin where I played Scruggs style banjo for a couple years and was just mm-hmm. obsessed with that and thought that that's what I was going to do. Um, and then there was this, uh, eventful night where I went to see Marty Stewart in concert and um, I used to bring my mandolin places to get it signed by people and so I brought my mandolin and we were like right in the front row 
And at some point in the concert, he saw me with it and asked me to come up and play a mm. tune. Um, and I could barely really get through anything. And I played old Joe Clark. And mm. it was this, it was an important moment because someone in the crowd saw me play with them and eventually connected me with a local bluegrass band and said, I saw this kid playing mandolin with Marty Stewart um, mm. and she's great. And so then they called me and that was, and I joined a local bluegrass band at 14 on the mandolin. And I remember I was disappointed that it wasn't for Scrug style banjo, but yes. I was into the, I was into it. And that's how I got serious about the mandolin is when I started playing with a group of people regularly. And it was the first time I had connected all these years of working on these fiddle things with actually playing with other people and yeah uh, and improvising and all that stuff so how, how old were you how at I got the time that was 14 14 and what were these other what were these other people like were they like <laughs> other young people were they a bunch of oh, old, no. old folks or like yeah probably the next youngest was maybe like 45 at the time um and it was run by these two so very just the, old the folks. token millennial <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was an unusual kid, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would get up at like six in the morning to go play in the farmer's market at eight every weekend with these folks. And they, so it was like a couple 45 year olds and then the, the kind of couple that ran it were in their seventies probably. Um, but it was a bluegrass band and their repertoire looking back on it was pretty cool and traditional and like uh, really covered a lot of the important stuff in bluegrass and I learned a whole lot and that and it was um, you know and I, it got me playing gigs with them and it got mm. me playing gigs with other people eventually and um, it's how I've managed to just do that ever since yeah so. That's what set, set you down this path. Yeah, very much so. The Rainwater Bluegrass Band. Thank you. Rainwater Bluegrass Band. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Larry and Charlene, wherever you may be. Hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you want to play next? Oh, I'm going to actually switch over to banjo. I've never done like just a live performance of banjo, so exciting. I'm in tune with myself, but I don't know if I'm in tune with 440, but hopefully that's okay. I'll figure it out. Okay. Um, I was going to play Cranberry Rock. Um, oh, lovely. Great. Yeah, just a pretty tune. All the cool kids are playing. Thank you. 
love that tune. Me too. Wow, I was yeah. so nervous, but I think it's good. So. Uh, it sounded good to me, but I am hearing you on Skype, so it sounds like you're going... <laughs> so. Well, that's exactly what I was doing, so that's perfect. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've actually interviewed anyone about their experience in the what's the actual name of the program in at berkeley of the like american traditional music program is that what it's called or something yeah like that? the the american roots music program that's it um great yeah yeah um it's a great thing um it's it's essentially a pet project of matt glaser and he uh kind of uses it to create a lot of cool opportunities um, for roots-based string players. Um, hmm. It is a minor now, and there is a, one class that is the American Roots Music Survey that Matt teaches and is really great. Um, but more than anything, it's kind of a heading to organize all these roots kids under um gotcha more than like it's not like a specific department or um a separate program really you're really just you're at berkeley but if you're one of the people doing the roots music thing then you're definitely going to encounter american roots music program events Mm. and opportunities and um and you might also choose to minor in it and do whatever that entails. When you went to Berkeley, did you specifically, did you have that in mind or were you like, I'm going to play mandolin in other genres as well? Like what all did you, did you study um, there? It was just that I was kind of looking for a place to study mandolin I guess like at a college level, but also if nothing else, just like at 18 or 19, I didn't feel like I was ready to go out and be totally full-time professional and playing the kind of things I wanted to be playing. And so it was four years to practice. (laughs) Um, But at the time that I was applying, there were very few colleges at which you could have the mandolin as a principal and not be in the ethnomusicology department. Um, and so... That's so strange. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think understand. more <laughs> colleges have opened up to the possibilities in the years since, but um, it was basically... I mean, ETSU is well known as having a program. I also applied to Belmont University, and then there was Berkeley, and it was just that... Uh, really for me so much the music that I was excited about was coming out of Boston like I was Mm. really excited about Joy Kilsaro and Crooked Still and um, later Lake Street Dive but there was you know just like a whole scene of players that were there and then at the time that I showed up it was kind of just like insane for the mandolin um in terms of who was there, it was uh, Sierra 
Paul and Dominic Leslie and Jake Jolliffe and Bryce Milano and Sarah Jarose and um, yeah. And then just everyone That's, else. Sound, that sounds intimidating. Yeah. And that was why I went, I went to get my butt yeah. kicked. Um, yeah. And I did. <laughs> and so um, it was a great experience, but the experience of Berkeley is as much or more about the community that you can kind of be a part of there. Um, mm. And there are certainly people who just moved to Boston and didn't go to Berkeley and were part of that community. So, yeah. you know, it was just about being in Boston at the right time and in the right places to, for that to happen. But it was a great experience overall, my time at Berkeley. So what do you, what do you play these days when you're not uh, playing old time music on podcasts or with your friends? <laughs> I'm um, assuming you're not doing too much of that these days at all, I guess. But um, I mean, these days in general. Yeah. <laughs> the hypothetical you know, days that would be happening. Totally. Um, yeah, I just, I, tr I feel good if I feel inspired to work on anything at all musical in a day. Um, so it definitely doesn't have to be mandolin and it often isn't, but um, on various days I'll work on a lot of Clawhammer or some day I'll get inspired to play a lot of three finger and the genre that I kind of tend to lean into with the three finger style banjo is very different. It's like a pretty, mm -hmm. um, I tend to like transcribe pretty modern, like mashy banjo players Sure. for, for that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, I'll practice singing or get inspired to just like play guitar for a while. Um, for a, a while, I was really putting a lot of time into transcribing James Jamerson bass lines on Motown records mm. um, on the bass. And that was super fun, but I don't have an amp here anymore. And yeah. I'm on, I have downstairs neighbors, so I'll have to yeah, work amp, that so. out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm just like if there's an instrument around me, I will just start working on it and start to figure it out. I was around a fiddle for a couple weeks recently and that was super fun to revisit. And I just learned a couple of Alison Krauss solos. Um, hmm. So yeah, what I'm working on, it, I feel like I, I tend to move kind of laterally hmm. more than I do. Um, like really trying to push the bounds of understanding music theory or getting into um, jazz. I mean, I've, I've worked on all that stuff and I play swing sometimes, but um, it's not what inspires me and, and what, so it, most of what I practice tends to be related to something I'm, I'm listening to or have listened to. And mm. I'm just like, I'm excited about that part might as well learn it. And so whatever it is on whatever instrument, mm. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do that thing. So. I like that idea of like lateral learning. Uh, I feel like a lot of old time musicians can relate to that. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's a little bit more focused on 
kind of curiosity and joy than necessarily like ambition <laughs> or totally or something and, like that. Yeah. You know, and part of it for me, it might be kind of a life, big life reaction to having spent many years in the like, yes, I mean, in high school, I was practicing the mandolin like six hours a day. And in college, I was just like beating myself up about not being as good as whoever it was. Um, and just really practicing a lot and working hard. And, it, and I'm glad I did that. And it, it benefited me greatly. But I can't practice like that anymore. And I really, it really <laughs> is about finding joy and just like whatever makes it is joyful to play um, is hmm. kind of what I tend to gravitate towards. That's yeah. great. I, I really appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, it's funny because I feel like if, a 16 year old me were to hear myself say that I'd be like 16 year old me would say like, you've given up. <laughs> like You're not, you're not, you know, killing yourself over mm. becoming very good at the mandolin. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm much happier than I was when I was I 16. I feel like there's some personality types that work really well with having like, really extreme goals that um, you don't end up meeting, but you end up accomplishing goals that you didn't think to make along the I way. I think that's totally it. It's, I had some, I've always had very lofty goals of what I would hope to accomplish musically. And I feel like in recent years, I've been able to just enjoy it more and yeah hmm. um, yeah <laughs> i you know it's funny i i think that like the music you connect to when you're young is just so meaningful and so important and really can direct where you go and so for me that is fully uh 90s pop country and hmm. I'm just like, it's just like my, my home music. Like it just feels so good. And listening Who were back you listening to, to, I mean, really everyone, but you know, some stuff holds up better than others and stuff like Dixie chicks or the chicks. Um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the Chicks albums and Alan Jackson records are amazing. And, you know, even like Reba McIntyre stuff, the production on all of that stuff is so beautifully done. And I, it just influences me so much because it's so part based and um, you just have such really excellent players and it was a time when it sounded very produced but you could still hear all the all the players in the room playing as a band mm -hmm. and doing it really well and that's that's what always excited me the most about playing music and um yeah <laughs> 
So I don't know what that means for my approach to old time, but. Well, yeah. I mean, do you, do you play, do you play pop country music ever? Or is um, was that ever really. on the table? <laughs> I've been singing some songs and like, I would love to play bass in a pop country band, like mm. bass for the Dixie Chicks. Oh my God. Sign me up. I mm. would love that gig. Um, cool. We're doing a vision board right now. Manifesting. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's play another tune. Um, I'm going to play the third Ed Haley tune of all this. I believe it's an Ed Haley tune. And it's Cherry River Rag. Hmm. I first heard it from my friend Jack Devereaux, um, back when friends could jam and I was getting together with Jack and Libby Whitnauer a lot in New York mm. and we would have a jam and I would just like struggle through a whole bunch of tunes and then go home and learn them. Um, and this tune was just one that laid out really funny on the banjo and took a long time to even get like up to speed but I just love the version of it that I found and would play along to almost every day which was I think a mm. version of a jam with steam machine basically mm. um, and there was a period of a couple months where I was literally just playing along to that video every single day <laughs> like, it was just <laughs> such talk about joyful stuff so thank you to them yeah we stand <laughs> we stand <laughs> um, here is Cherry River Rag. Thank you. 
fun. <laughs> Isn't it? Do you, it's so have you, fun. Have you ever played that that like chromatic walk down like on the fifth string before, or did that just happen? Like, um, I think I've did done. Steam Machine do that? No, I don't think so. But I do that with them when I play along. <laughs> so that's the canonical. They can version. have that for free. Um, <laughs> it's so fun. But yeah, I love that. I, I feel like an early random influence for what I want Clawhammer to sound like is um, I had a, a compilation from of like Telluride Bluegrass Festival performances on a CD and there was a track by um, The Horseflies so mm. it had Richie Stearns and I think they were just doing Cluckle Hen but he just did all of that kind of like yeah. up the neck single note <laughs> groovy ah it's the best so good so it is is pretty magical like i really don't understand how he's making so many sounds with just like you know like single notes (laughs) um yeah I, i really don't get it it's incredible well, where do we go? When I said to buy your music, I mean that in the, the broad sense of like, whatever you have to, you know, like, how do we find out if you're playing shows? Um, are there any, um, is there anything recorded out there that we should know about? Or Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's kind of the thing is I don't really have a lot to direct people to. I am kind of plotting on making something on like some kind of record to put on Bandcamp. So look out for that. But I don't have a website. <laughs> um, I, you know, I normally play with Delame and anytime there's a full band performance, um, I'm part of that. And Delame has a Patreon that I contribute to occasionally. And uh, so that helps support all of us. And um, check out the Lonely Heartstring Band's last mm-hmm. record and nothing before it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, that, you know, whatever little streaming does, streaming that gives us some money. Yeah. And, um, and I've been teaching lessons too on all Great. the instruments. So feel free to get in touch via any of the social media platforms. cool well i'll link i'll link all the platforms that you give me in yeah. the in the show notes so people just tap around if you want to make sure that you're notified for an upcoming album yes <laughs> somewhat <laughs> in the very That's new okay. future near like, future yeah <laughs> yeah we'll see <laughs> right around the corner <laughs> Um, because it great. would be great to have something to direct people to. I would love that. Yeah. So. And, le- and lessons in Delamay. And lessons in Delamay. And that's what I'm doing. I'm around um, Southern Maine these days. I live in Portland, Maine. And um, I have done a couple outdoor on the lawn brunch gigs that have been great, very pleasant and easy. So if you're in Southern Maine... Keep and an if you're well out. behaved in the pandemic times. <laughs> yeah, if you're in Southern Maine and you're going to choose to go to a restaurant. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you're going to 
really be good about social distancing and wearing a mask, then by all means come to one of our yeah. shows. So, um, okay. but I'm sure I'll do more live streams and things like that. So, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this, Maddie. Of course. Thanks for it's having me. Great talking me. to you. Great hearing you're playing. Thank you. Um, by mandolin. Yeah, I feel like in in trying to choose which tunes to play, I was really trying to play tunes that were somehow um, meaningful to me and very much like a real part of my experience in the musical scene and world. Mm. Um, and so they're all tunes that for the most part are inspired by that I I was inspired to learn by playing with friends and playing with other people who inspire me. And um, that could be said for all the all these tunes, of course. This one uh, is a little different. I don't really know where I would have first heard it. And if I were to think of a specific version I know, it would be the kind of swingy Willie Nelson version. Um, the tune is Bonaparte's Retreat. And Great. I picked it because for some reason, whenever I pick up almost any instrument, this is the tune I feel compelled to play. Um, so I figured I'd do a version of it. Perfect.
Visit Della May's website at delamay.com and support their Patreon at patreon.com slash first song dancers. That and the Lonely Heartstring Band album that Maddie's on are linked in the show notes. Also, follow Maddie on Instagram to stay up to date. You can support Get Up In The Cool at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Order a t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up In The Cool's Teespring store. Make sure to like and follow Get Up In The Cool on Facebook so you can see the video I posted from this episode and share it with the world. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside The Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up In The Cool. And everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool. <laughs>